The following is a special presentation of the Grand Valley Sports Network. Welcome to Anchor Up Weekly, powered by DTE Energy. An hour-long snapshot of everything GVSU Athletics, with updates on all 20 varsity sports, in-depth conversations with coaches, athletes, special guests, and more. Now, here's your host, Tim Knott and Jake Levy. Oh, hi again, everybody, and welcome back to an all-new episode of Anchor Up Weekly, your weekly snapshot of GBSU Athletics. It's all powered by DTE Energy. Know your own power. My name is Jake Levy, joined as always by Tim Knott. And Tim, another great week in Lakerland. Grand Valley State Athletics going undefeated over the weekend, so a lot to talk about. Yeah, Jake, it was a great weekend in Laker Athletics. Uh, the football team got a big road win at Saginaw Valley, uh, and all the teams competing over the weekend. Again, last year we were without athletics. This year we have it. We're busy, but it's exciting to see those kids out there playing. It certainly is. We have three coaches' interviews to get to you over the next hour. We're going to, of course, talk to head football coach Matt Mitchell. We'll also talk to Jason Johnson from volleyball and Jim Conlon from women's soccer. All of those sports going undefeated this weekend. We also have a feature interview with Hannah Becker, one of the cross-country runners, Allie Priggy, a member of our staff. We'll have a nice sit-down interview with her. So a lot of in-depth conversations with the folks around GVSU Athletics. But first, it's time to give you a rundown and tell you what happened over the weekend. Tim mentioned the big football road win. Grand Valley State goes to Saginaw Valley State in the Battle of the Valleys and beats Saginaw for the ninth straight time, a drubbing of 49-17. to All three phases score a touchdown, Tim, and it was really a start-to-finish dominating effort. You know, it really was. Uh, you know, from the opening drive, the Lakers dominated offensively. Um, but it was a little bit tough to realize that because at halftime our offensive statistics weren't imposing because we had a special teams touchdown when Elante Lepart picked up a blocked field goal, returned it for touchdown. Abe Swanson picked off a pass and returned it for touchdown. So you're losing two possessions there to accumulate some of those yards. So you're up 20-10 rather at the half. Your offensive numbers aren't that imposing. Uh, but in the second half, it was complete domination offensively. Yeah, and that big drive of uh, I think it was nine plays, six minutes, 80 yards right down the field in the third quarter. That was really the backbreaker. Grand Valley State doing a great job converting some key third and fourth downs along that drive. Cade Peterson showing command of the offense. He's looked really poised and polished now four weeks into his sophomore season. Great to see Cal Endicott get out there and throw a touchdown. Great to see Cody Tierney, Kyle Knott both make their first touchdown grab. Scott Cooper do so as well. Really just a great dominating team effort. So congratulations to the Laker football team. They're now 4-0, 1-0 in GLIAC play. Lephart, who Tim mentioned, and Swanson both earning GLIAC honors. Lephart, the special teamer of the week, and Abe Swanson, the defensive player of the week for the GLIAC. So some weekly awards for Grand Valley to go along with the lopsided win. Grand Valley State is at home this weekend for Laker Family Day against Northwood. We'll talk about that a little bit later on with our home schedule rundown. But elsewhere in GVSU Athletics, volleyball actually played a home game. Wow, volleyball played at home. (laughs) I didn't know they Uh, had a home court. Yeah, they were on the road for the first four weeks yep, of the whole year. month of and, the season uh, on the road. So, yeah, those ladies were able to uh, finally play on their own court, the court they practice on every day. Great crowds. The crowds were awesome on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, a lot of parents, uh, family, friends, a lot a great turnout of students, and uh, they were able to pick up two 3-0 wins uh, over the weekend. Yeah, Coach Johnson will talk about it in that interview coming up a little bit later on, but they did have a spring season, but there were no fans allowed in the right. stands, so this was the first time they've had people in the stands for them on their home floor since 2019, so a really cool moment for them. They sweep both Parkside and Purdue Northwest in straight sets, moving to 5-1 and one in the GLIAC, an all-important number as that Midwest region crossover now looms a couple of weeks away. We'll go a little further in-depth about that next week ahead of that Midwest region crossover. Women's soccer, meanwhile, number one in the country. They go to Northwood, always a tough place to play. They get a 2-0 result. Greta Deloach, a pair of goals early in the second half. The Lakers get that one. Then they come back home for the big one. Number 11, Ferris State. Number one, Grand Valley State on ESPN3. And boy, did it live up to the billing. Winds up a 2-2 draw. Grand Valley State scores twice in the final seven minutes to erase a two-goal deficit, able to earn the tie with Ferris State. Stay in tie for first place in the GLIAC and move to 9-0-1 on the season. Cecilia Steinwasher, a three-time All-American, earns GLIAC Defensive Player of the Week honors. Women's tennis, men's tennis also in action. The men's and women's tennis teams both traveled down to Chicago and played the University of Illinois Chicago, and they came up on the short end. But what this weekend was, it was a great barometer for where they're at in terms of their play. Illinois Chicago is a traditionally strong Horizon League institution. Uh, they always finished in the top three or four of that league. And so uh, Coach Sam Schall took the Lakers down there 
again, didn't get the result you wanted, but it was a good barometer to see where you're at as you head into the, the final portion of the fall schedule because both their championships, men's and women's tennis, will, again, be in the spring uh, season. Golf is going through that same thing as well. So all the sports that are in championship season get wins this week. So we've got some happy conversations with some coaches coming up on the other side of this timeout. We'll hear from head coach Matt Mitchell in GVSU football. This is Anchor Up Weekly on the ticket. This is Anchor Up Weekly, an in-depth update on GVSU Athletics on the Grand Valley Sports Network. Number seven, Grand Valley State Lakers dominated the Battle of the Valleys, taking down Saginaw Valley State 49-17. The Lakers now 4-0 overall and 1-0 in GLIAC play. Here to talk about his team, said Coach Matt Mitchell. Coach, last week we talked about how all three phases really got involved. What's the only way you could step that up a notch? All three scored a touchdown in this one, a dominating game in all three phases. Tell me what you saw from your team. Yeah, it was an awesome, uh, again, awesome start. I really appreciate a lot of our fans traveled. Uh, great day, great weather. Um, but... You know, we were able to take the ball 95 yards on pretty much our first offensive possession and had three explosive plays, a big play to David Anderson, another Daryl Johnson, a freshman, pass over the middle, then Bryce Young Walls, our senior leader, punched things in. So 7 nothing on the road and really got us off the start, and we've done that. I think our offense has been really efficient in all four games, like scoring on the first possession or getting a great field position, and uh, we've kind of rolled from there. So in that particular game, um, you know, I thought we only had 50 plays offensively but had over 400 yards, really efficient. I thought Cade is continuing to improve. He showed a lot of poise in the pocket, throwing the ball. We had great pass protection. I think it was a theme of the day. It was the fact that we were very explosive in the pass game. And that was a point of emphasis coming out of the Tech game that we wanted to try to continue to improve upon. And then, as you mentioned, played good enough defense. Um, you know, a little disappointed a few things, especially at the end of the half. And played great on special teams besides one punt return. Um, Josh Gorbal was a factor. Multiple touchbacks. Made all those extra points. Was really good punting the ball. And then we had the big block, scoop and score for a touchdown. That was the, you know, making a play on special teams also. Which, of course, makes the special teams coordinator happy. But I want to go back to that first drive because of the 29-yard touchdown run by Bryce Young-Walls. We talk about it all the time. He's your vocal leader. For him to be the one that sets that tone also on the field had to be big for you guys to get off to that hot start. Huge. And, you know, Bryce is the heart and soul of this team. He's a guy that's been around the block. He's seen a lot of Laker football. And he's done an unbelievable job leading this team. He is a captain, but he's our most vocal leader uh, across the board. And he really gets us going. And I would say, too, like he has us going Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, and Fridays. It's not just a Saturday thing. He has allowed us to really have quality practices. Our offense felt like they had an awesome week of practice, and I think Bryce is the one that's pushing guys to be the best you can be. So those are some things that are happening kind of behind the scenes. Uh, you have a guy that maybe isn't the most talented running back, isn't probably going to lead us necessarily in yardage and rushing, but is a powerful force for this football team right now. It was a dominating first half until that last moment, like you said. So the Hail Mary, all of a sudden it's an 18-point game. It's not quite over, obviously. Interesting to see how that third quarter would play out. You guys have a six-minute, 80-yard drive that really kind of felt like the nail in the coffin. 100%. You know, and to focus on the end of the half, uh, you know, we get an incomplete ball. We have a personal foul, um, a stupid penalty that we got to clean up. And then even on the... The prevent, um, you know, we weren't great on that in a teachable moment because we didn't have guys rallying to the football when Casey Williams scored the touchdown. So that was something that didn't feel real good heading into the halftime locker room, even though, you know, it should have been up 28 to 3, up 28 to 10. But as you mentioned, the offense came, comes out and does a great job on the drive, converts some third downs. We were much better running the ball and stopping the run in the second half. And that drive really was kind of a backbreaker in regards to the time off the clock, punching in for a touchdown. You just kind of felt like any momentum that was gained at the end of the first half by Saginaw Valley was extinguished with that drive. Really good time to finally win a coin toss. But so you guys were missing three of your top five wide receivers in this game as well. To see Kyle Knott come up with a deep touchdown catch, Cody Tierney on an absolute bomb from Cal Endicott, by the way. To see those younger receivers get in the mix in this offensive game had to be huge for you guys. It, it was awesome. You know, you're out without Joan Johnson, Jacob Miller, and Cordell Hoover due to some injuries. Um, I thought Coach Roundtree and the younger receivers did a great job just kind of embracing what they needed to do. Um, you know, we mentioned this on the post-game deal with me and you. You know, we dressed five freshmen in that game and, and had not played a lot. Some of those guys played a little bit on special teams, but not a ton of receptions out of those guys. And a really, you know, awesome performance by those guys. So those can only help us as it strengthens our receiving core moving forward, having more viable threats. And I think what we did, too, is put a product on tape Saturday that will have defensive coordinators, defensive players, again, a little concerned because we hit some people over the top. 
top, got behind him. Also did a great job with some underneath patterns, some crossing routes, did some things on the shallow too, and really stretched in the passing game with a lot of different guys catching the ball, not a one-dimensional passing offense looking at one person or one specific scheme. So I think this performance on Saturday will have a residual effect on the season. Yeah, it was really a diverse offense. Even Scott Cooper gets in the end zone for a touchdown as well. But let's go back to that offensive line. You mentioned it a bit, but you, you go back and look at that Kyle Knott touchdown. I mean, Cade could have taken a nap, got a sandwich, could step back up and through. He had all day to throw, and it seemed like that was something your offensive line was imposing their will all afternoon. They did a great job, and again, that's a talented defensive line. Um, you know, I think they had relied primarily throughout the previous games on only rushing four and kind of dependent on their four-man pass rush and their talent. And so, you know, we blocked up the four extremely well with our offensive line. I think we had, you know, one sack on a misprotection, but other than that, we were really, really clean on the day. And I think that pocket, that comfortability allowed us for the time to do some of those things in the past game. Now we understand too, people see that, they might start bringing pressure, but we welcome pressure because if we can uh, hit it in the run game or get something to happen with screens or short throws, then we really have space in the back end to try to take advantage of it. So kudos to our offensive line. Um, played really well on Saturday, really pleased with how they're continuing to progress. Again, you gotta remember we have one senior and four sophomores starting on the offensive line. You know, So we take a look at the totality of our offense. We really only have two seniors that are playing a ton right now in regards to Bryce Young Walls and Ethan Culbertson. It's a younger crew that is continuing to improve. Coach, we can't get out of here without mentioning this. Zero turnovers on the day. You win the turnover battle against the team that's number one in the country in turnover margin. Huge, and we talked about that on my radio show, you and yep. I, that we thought that was going to be the stat of the deal, and I, you know, all you guys did a great job. I thought, again, that's everybody on offense. Ball security is great. Cade made great decisions, and so we, uh, we're plus three. You know, we get basically two on defense, uh, gain one on special teams, and uh, you know, we're able to be really productive, and that's why I think the score got to it was because of that turnover differential. Grand Valley State football is back in the comfy confines of Lubbers Stadium this Saturday night to take on the Northwood Timberwolves. 7 p.m. kickoffs will be a big crowd with Laker Family Day. Head coach Matt Mitchell back with us. Coach, looking forward to getting back to Lubbers Stadium this 100%, weekend. 100 you know, two, two road trips, one to the UP, one over to a very uh, hostile environment. It'll be good to get back home. Love those night games, too, in terms of the atmosphere. Weather looks great. Hopefully we get a ton of people out to kind of support our team as we enter uh, the next, next, next game. Laker Family Day is always a great tradition at Grand Valley State. We always have gigantic crowds. Looking forward to really getting that big atmosphere back, but the crowds have been really good at Lubber Stadium so far this year in general, haven't they? They have, and I think part of that too is uh, the COVID year. You know, kind of everybody had the year where we didn't have a lot of Laker football, and so the first two games great, especially our student section. Give them a ton of credit, and lacrosse game really stuck in there all the way to the fourth quarter. And, uh, you know, we love playing at home. Looking forward to that opportunity. Yeah, the atmosphere is always great, but obviously you got to take care of business on the field as well. Northwood's coming to town. Tell us a bit about what they do offensively. Uh, they really rely on casual Goldsmith, who is their running back. He's had some successful games so far earlier in the season. Um, and so he's been the catalyst for their offense production. I think the other thing is they've been really good on special teams. They had a 100-yard kickoff return last weekend against Ferris State. They blocked some punts. Uh, they stay super aggressive on special teams too. So uh, the running attack, some special teams play. And they're usually pretty good up front. I think last weekend they gave up a few passing yards against Ferris State, you know, so we've got to kind of dig in on the tape. But for us, this is an opportunity with Northwood exiting the GLIAC and heading to the GMAC, uh, potentially the last time that Grand Valley State may play Northwood University. Um, you know, so we have to recognize that and appreciate the history and tradition. Um, there's been a lot of great contests between these two teams and try to inform our guys this may be the last go, so let's take advantage of it. Northwood always runs that different offense than you usually see, so how do you adjust in a kind of a short week coming off a pro-style offense like Saginaw Valley to get ready for that run-heavy style like Northwood presents? Well, that's one thing I, you know, we really like. We made a scheme change defensively is I think our scheme is adaptable to be able to handle some different things week to week, and so, you know, there's some game planning that will occur and, and go on. Uh, but we're in the groove now of the regular season on our schedule. You know, uh, Monday guys get in their off day, watch tape on their own, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday practice, Fridays walk through the play games on Saturday. That's what I really like about not having a bye week in the season. You get in this flow, you get in the schedule, and now we're at home. So we'll just kind of get in that flow and prepare for Northwood and, and, uh, and put our kids in, a, in the best position possible to succeed. Now that you're four weeks into actually playing football again, how fast did that game flow, game week flow, come back to the team after missing all of last year? Um, yeah, that's a great point. You know, I think um, it was something that we had to teach and learn like guys had to learn we had to teach as coaches because you know you still look at this roster we have a lot of younger players in this roster that have never really been through a full season before so this um, you know the cycles of things I think rest recovery making sure we're at our best is really important you know we lift on Tuesdays and, and Thursdays I think that's an important part of what we're doing to try to extend our season out have a long season and so there's a lot that goes goes into it and that's that's something just not you know besides just teaching plays and schemes and techniques we're trying to teach our guys the proper 
approach to be your best on you know now 10 Saturdays. Uh, we're in a sport where you can't afford to trip up on a Saturday or you might find yourself options limited at the end of the season. So you have to be on point. This isn't a, a sport like basketball where you can lose a couple games. We can't afford to do that. So these flow of the weeks is really important to hammer that home. Well, we're certainly excited to get back to Lubber Stadium. Should be a huge crowd and a great atmosphere this Saturday. Looking forward to it, Coach. Thanks for your time. Good luck this week. Thanks, Jake. Anchor up. Weekly, presented by DTE Energy on the Grand Valley Sports Network. Allison Perky here on Anchor Up Weekly. We're joined by Hannah Becker, a fifth-year senior on the cross-country and track and field team from Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Thanks for joining us, Hannah. Thanks for having me. So I know you just ran in your first cross-country race at Grand Valley uh, in the Michigan State Spartan Invitational. Had a time of 22 minutes and 6.4 seconds in the 6K. You know, you were competing among D1 athletes, and you were the first Division II athlete to cross the line. What did it feel like to have such a successful, like, first outing to start the season? For sure. Um, it was exciting to have a good race. Um, our goal was really to just go out and run hard and see where we are at, kind of get a good gauge of where we're starting the season at. Um, and I wasn't sure it had been a really long time since I had raced cross-country, <laughs> actually since my sophomore year, um, so three years. And so it was exciting to have a good race, and I felt like I ran well and I progressed throughout the race, um, and those were really my goals, um, to just keep moving forward and to pass as many people as I could at the <laughs> end. Um, so it was super exciting, and um, I was, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season after that. Tell us what a race day looks like for you. Like, how do you prepare for the race, both mentally and physically? That's a good question. Um, I think the first part of it really comes preparing mentally. Um, for me, that starts earlier in the week. It's not just the day of the race. Um, normally, I'm a little nervous to begin with um, a few days out, um, just knowing that the race will be hard and like I want to do well. Um, and so I try to think about the race and I think about how hard it will be and try to get my head wrapped around that. And then um, I kind of think about some of the barriers and the mental barriers that will be in place and the physical barriers during the race. Um, and I try to get my head wrapped around those. So I think about like, when I come to a mental barrier or something physically goes wrong, what am I going to do um, in that situation? And so then I kind of have a plan ahead of time of how to overcome those physical or mental barriers. So I know in the middle of the race, there's going to be a point where it's hard and I'm hurting and I'm tired and I just kind of like want to back off or slow down a little bit. So I try to prepare myself for that time and know that even though I'm tired, like I'm going to push through and I'm going to try to speed up and like give it my all because if I if I prepare ahead of time to make that decision during the race then it's easier to make it when it actually comes that time so that's kind of like the mental side of it I really try to think through the race a lot and what I'm going to do when I'm going to make a move um, and then physically um, we have a little bit lighter of a practice the day before so that kind of helps um, get our legs ready to go um, we do so, a few fast things to kind of like prime our legs I guess um, <laughs> And I always try to eat a good meal the night before, get good rest the night before, make sure to drink a lot of water and hydrate the day before, and then same the morning of. I really try to like eat eat a good meal and make sure that I have fuel in my body and make sure that I'm hydrated and all of those things um, to stay prepared like on the physical end of things. So then when you're racing, like you were talking about mental barriers, like how, do you have to like practice positive self-talk like when you're like running? I definitely do. Um, I think it's helpful just um, to remind myself, like, I, even, like, when I'm, like, in the middle of a race, I'm like, okay, you can do this, or, like, you're not, you know, like, it's not too hard yet, and so, like, just trying to talk myself through, or, like, okay, that was a good mile split, um, like, and trying to, you know, like, even think about, like, okay, keep my heart rate low, keep my breathing steady, or if I see a teammate, like, thinking about, like, okay, I can work with them, we can run together, you know, like, use each other, and yeah. um, maybe even say, like, good job to them, like, mm -hmm. quietly, and those kind of things, just, like, to stay positive throughout the race, because that's a really big part of running, is the mental side of it. Um, if you start to get negative, then you kind of start to spiral down, of like, oh, I'm hurting, and this is hard, um, and generally, those don't end up being the best races. Yeah. I know a lot of athletes are different, but do you have any like superstitions before you run? That's a good question. I 
I don't know that I really do. Um, and I think sometimes that's because I almost like want to be like stronger than those superstitions, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like if I'm starting to kind of get in one of those habits, I'm like, well, I need to like break out of that so that if for some reason I'm not able to like eat the exact same thing or for some reason I'm not able to, you know, like I don't have my lucky socks or something like that. Like I don't want that to throw me off mentally. Um, so I guess I, I try to stay away from that, but like not because I think there's anything particularly wrong with it. Um, I just don't know if those like help me out the most. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you're just tuning in, we are joined uh, by Hannah Becker today, a senior cross country runner and track and field runner. So uh, Hannah, I know you compete in track and field as well. Um, you know, you do indoor in the winter, outdoor in the spring, but what does summer workouts or summer training look like for you to help prepare you for cross country? For sure. Um, I think summer training is really important. Uh, normally we take a bit of a break after the track season, which is really good. Um, it gives our body a chance to kind of recover and um, rest up and just heal um, after like the full season that we go through. Um, and then we kind of start to build up um, progressively throughout the summer. And normally I try to take summer as a time to get in good training and I do my best to like get all my miles, get the workouts in. Um, but also it's kind of like a mental break where you just like go out and <laughs> run whatever pace like your body feels like going. Yeah. Um, and I think for me that's really important because I didn't always used to do that. I used to kind of be like, oh, I have to be running a certain pace or I have to be going fast on my runs. Um, and it really didn't give my body a chance to recover as much as it should. Um, and so now I kind of like in the summer take that philosophy of like, you just get the miles in like it's okay if you're going a little bit slower um and I think that's helped and it helps to just build a base where you're like getting those workouts in you're building back up your fitness um and I think the most important thing is being consistent um throughout training and that's a big part of why we run all year round is just like keeping that consistency um and keeping that like dedication and that mindset I know you had touched on it earlier. You haven't competed in a cross-country season since 2018, and that was at Wheaton College. I know you ran there as a freshman and sophomore, and then you transferred to Grand Valley, redshirted in 2019, and then unfortunately COVID canceled the 2020 cross-country season. So how good does it feel to finally like be competing in cross-country again? For sure. It's awesome. Um, I love cross-country. Cross-country is really a team sport. It has a team dynamic. Um, which may seem weird to some people because we're like running our own races but um during cross country we all like ride the bus together we warm up together you know it's like a big group of us that probably like 20 30 girls where we're just all running in a mob together across this like a lot of times it's a golf course or something like that um and so it's just a lot of fun like we can keep it lighthearted and like in, i mean get ready for the race but also just enjoy the time of recognizing like wow we get to we get to run together as a team or we're doing this together um, and kind of make some jokes and that kind of thing. And that's something that I really missed about like cross country and we haven't had that for so long. And so something is super exciting about our first meet to like live that out again. <laughs> um, and so it feels really good to like line up with teammates and like go out and even like race together with teammates um, is a lot of, a lot of fun. And it reminds at least me and I think a lot of us like why we run and why we enjoy this sport because it's not always fun. Um, <laughs> it, it's really hard sometimes, but we develop those like connections and those friendships and like relationships with our teammates where we get to go out and run for each other. And that's a huge part of cross country, which has been awesome to experience again. Like I said, you transferred into Grand Valley in 2019. Uh, what stuck up about GBSU? Like what made you want to come be a Laker? For sure. Um, it was definitely a combination of things. Um, running was a part of it. Grand Valley has an awesome um, running program, especially for Division II, um, one of the best for sure. Um, and so it was cool to be able to come here and have that opportunity in running um, to really compete against a lot of good people, but also to be on a team with a lot of good people. Um, and that helps you as a runner to be better um, when you're running, training with fast people, racing against fast people. Um, so that was an awesome opportunity. And then also just Grand Valley as a school had a good program for um, health education, which is what I want to go into. I want to be a high school health teacher. Um, I'm excited about that. Um, and to be honest, like it really just seemed like the next best step that God had for me. And like I know my time at Wheaton was good and that um, he used that and I learned a lot there, but also that it was kind of like that time was over and like it was, there's another 
point in my life or like a next step um, so that I could continue to grow as a person and um, yeah I guess continue to not just like stay steady if that makes sense like in the same old comfortable place but to like get out of my comfort zone and to grow as a person Um, and so that was another part of the transition too. Yeah I I went to ask this earlier too you're from uh, the west side of Wisconsin how Mm -hmm. far of a drive is that for you? Yeah it's about seven and a half to eight hours depending on traffic Um, so I'm quite a ways from home um, which sometimes is hard just because I do um, like miss my family and that kind of thing but it's also been really good to have like this experience living in a new place and I think there have been challenges with that but that has also allowed me to grow um and to I guess like have a new experience and not just like have that small town Wisconsin life but also see a different side of the world and gain different perspective about different people like there's people from all over the place and um, that's been really cool to really have like my eyes open to the world um and I guess like learn how to value other people's experiences also yeah that's super important um do your parents ever make it over or parents or family ever make it over to Michigan to get to watch you for sure um they do sometimes which is awesome um they've been to a few track meets um they were able to come for outdoor nationals because those were here um last spring which was super fun um and I love it when they can come to watch I can always hear my parents cheering my dad's pretty <laughs> loud um but unfortunately they don't make it over quite as much as like I'm sure they would love to um just because it is a far ways yeah talk to us a little bit how you know how you got into running like why why running why not another sport that's also a good question um I honestly sometimes I wonder about it um I used to play soccer um and I I enjoyed that um but I guess the best thing at, at soccer I was always um I could beat other people to the ball and so that was like my talent I guess <laughs> or like my strength in soccer um I was never the best at ball handling so um I wasn't the best soccer player but at least I could beat other people to the ball and so I think maybe that's kind of what started my love of running um and then I started running in high school and I really didn't like it at all um it was hard and it hurt and I would get really <laughs> anxious for meets um so I almost quit a couple of times um just because of how like challenging the sport was um but then I realized that like I had a lot of good friends and good um teammates in running and that's how I made my best friends in high school and so um thinking about not being at practice I would would wonder what my friends would be doing or like not going to meets like I would miss out on so many good experiences and cool experiences um and so that was kind of like what kept me in running and then eventually I fell in love with the running part of it (laughs) um but it took a while um and so then I wasn't even sure if I wanted to run in college um that was a big decision but by the time my senior year rolled around I really did because I realized I didn't want to miss out on those experiences, um, meeting those people and making friends and then also having the opportunity to travel um, for a sport. And so then I kept running and um, it really has been like an awesome part of my college experience. It's stress relieving when I get to go to practice and I don't have to worry about my homework for three <laughs> hours and I can just forget about it or I can, you know, just go out and talk with my friends on a run um, and I've gotten close to people because of that so I think that's kind of like the people in running is really what has like allowed me to fall in love with it and like has kept me in the sport um is the connections you develop with my or like I've developed with my teammates and with my coaches do you feel like you have a preference of cross-country season versus track and field season that is also a good question I um like both for different reasons um I really like track because it's pretty cut and dry um you're running around the track so um like times are pretty similar you can compare across different meets um and like you can run a race and like hope to PR because you know it's like on the track there's not very many variables um but cross country I mean all the courses look different so you could run a really good race but have a slow time just because the course was soft and there's a big hill or something, you know? (laughs) Um, And so that's like a difference. Um, One reason I like track more, but then cross country, like I mentioned, is a really awesome team sport where you all warm up together, you go to the line together and you race the same race. Um, And so that's something I love about cross country. What would you say is your best race and which one is the most challenging for you? 
I think my best race is either the 3K or the mile. Uh, maybe the 3K because I think it's a good in-between distance um, where I get to use some speed, but then also there's an endurance component to it. So I mean, it's pretty fast pace, um, but you have to maintain that pace for um, indoor, it's 10 laps. Um, and so I think that plays to a lot of my strengths as a runner. Um, I think the race that's probably the most challenging for me is the 5K. And that's because it's a fast race, but it's also quite a bit longer. Um, so you add even a little bit more than a mile um, to the 3K. And around the track, like it's a lot of laps. Um, and so mentally, the 5K is really hard because you're generally tired. Um, even going into the last mile, you're really, really tired. And so you kind of think about the fact that you have a whole nother mile to run after you've already run two <laughs> miles and you're almost like you're basically ready to be done at that point, but you still have to keep going. And so mentally, um, the 5K is really challenging, but it's also a good race. And that one involves a lot of endurance, too. Um, so I like it for that reason, but it's definitely the most challenging. Lastly, you know, obviously there's more to school than just the sport that you're playing. So I know you touched on it earlier, but talk to us a little bit more about what you're going to school for and what some of your goals are after graduating. For sure. I'm going to school um, for health and physical education teaching. Um, and I am interested in teaching health at the high school level. Um, and the reason for that is I really enjoy working with students. Um, I've always kind of had that passion um, and I love in encouraging people and explaining things. Um, so being a teacher plays well into those um, traits. Also, I've always been passionate about health. That's something that's really important to me. Um, I had a good high school health teacher where I learned a lot about like how to live a healthy lifestyle, um, the importance of nutrition, the importance of physical activity, um, even the importance of decision-making and mental health. Like Those are all things that you learn in a good, well-structured high school health class. Um, and a lot of people miss out on that in health. Um, maybe their health program isn't um, well-structured or something along those lines. And so I guess I'm passionate about like helping students to learn to live a healthy life. And I think that's something that I can do well as a high school health teacher. Um, and so that's the reason I decided to go into teaching health. Um, and then also hopefully someday I'll have the opportunity to coach at the high school level. I'd love to coach cross country and track. Um, been a big part of my life, obviously. Um, and I think coaching is another really good way that you can um, have a positive impact on students and um, I guess just love them well um, and like treat them well and, you know, show them how to be active. And I can transfer my love of running, hopefully, to some of them. Um, and like all the ways that it's been helpful and important in my life, like I can help them like others have those positive impacts and positive benefits of running. And so that's another reason why I went into teaching um, is to work with students as a coach. Um, so I guess those are kind of like my future goals and plans. Um, and we'll see how, you know, like how it all works out, but hopefully something along those lines. Well, Hannah, thanks for joining us today uh, on here on Anchor Up Weekly and good luck this weekend in Louisville. Awesome, thank you so much for having me. This is Anchor Up Weekly, an in-depth update on GVSU Athletics on the Grand Valley Sports Network. Laker Volleyball has a huge week sweeping both Parkside and Purdue Northwest in their first home matches of 2021. The team now sits at 5-1 in conference play. And joining us now to talk about his team is head coach Jason Johnson. And coach, finally back in your home gym for a couple of matches. How did it feel to play at home? Uh, it was great. Um, you know, obviously we had an abbreviated season last spring where we had some home matches. But it was the first time we actually had fans on the floor close to the, the um, court. And the environment was a lot of fun to be a part of. Yeah, tell us a little bit about the atmosphere. Over 300 people at both of these games. Yep. And like you said, this is the first time you've had people in the stands in a while. The pep band going, all the atmosphere that comes with that. How was that for your team? It was a lot of fun. And obviously, I think our team was able to feed off it energy-wise. I think a little bit of it were nerves early on against Parkside as far as just the excited nerves. Not the, not the nerves of playing a match, but more the excited of, oh my goodness, my fans, uh, family, friends were all in the stands. And so 
kind of getting used to that environment again. It was awesome to have everybody back, and you could play Parkside on Saturday, and if there were nerves, it didn't really show it with a 3 nothing win, but that first set was back and forth for quite a bit to pull out that 25-23 set to kind of weather those nerves and mm -hmm. get that first set victory. How important was that to even set the tone for the whole weekend? Uh, again, I think anytime you can get off to an early start in the first set and be able to win that, it just sets it up for the rest of the match. You know, obviously, we've gone five sets in numerous matches this year, so <laughs> it's not that it's a, an end-all to winning a match, but I think it definitely helps you calm, get into a rhythm, get into a flow of the match. Each set was a little more decisive as you went. That mm -hmm. third set was 25 to 10. Was there any kind of conversation about, hey, let's finish this right here, get out of here in three sets, and kind of learn how to finish off an opponent? Yeah, I think that was part of it. The other part was just, again, staying focused on one point at a time and being able to get into a better flow. I think as the match went on, we felt more comfortable defensively about what we were trying to do. I think offensively, we were able to stay into a better rhythm as the match went on. Your middle seemed to really have some diversity in this match. We were able to go a little deeper with it. What did you like about this, what you saw from your middle blockers in that game against Parkside? You know, one of the things we've talked about all year is we have a lot of depth in the middle. Now, two of our players have played most of the matches this year because they've earned that opportunity. But I think we've had kids in practice every day challenging those two. And I think this was a great opportunity to allow them to get that chance. And I thought they did a great job with it. They certainly did. You guys win the first one. You turn around the next day. The Saturday, Sunday, both at 1 p.m., a mm -hmm. little bit different than it's been in the past, but how did you adjust to that 24 hours exactly between the two matches? You know, I think Saturday was a little more difficult because it's so early on a Saturday. We're just not accustomed to playing quite that early, but I think having the 24-hour turnaround was nice. I think our kids were fresh on Sunday. I think, um, obviously, getting back in the gym, uh, having the same routine as far as up the same time, pregame at the same time, I thought went well. I thought we played well against Purdue. Obviously, set two kind of was a little closer than we would have liked, but <laughs> I think Purdue had a lot to do with that as well. Yeah, I mean, Purdue Northwest, you said it last week. They're a team that plays really hard. Mm -hmm. They're going to grind. So to know you're going into a team like that, especially on the back end of the weekend, what was the conversation with the team about, hey, you got to be ready to really play physical in this one, even though whatever the record says, don't worry about that so much. Yeah, I, I think the two things we try to get across to our kids is end points early. When you get a, against a team that wants to extend points, that wants to work hard and force you into being a clean with your offense, it's about ending points early. Try not to get into those long rallies. Try not to give them more opportunities than what they need. And so that was part of our talk early on. I thought set one went really well with that. I thought we were in control offensively. I thought our serving got them into uh, some difficult situations early. Uh, but then obviously set two, you know, we kind of backed down a little bit with our offense of efficiency as well as our serving. And I thought Purdue did a great job. We mentioned those middles in the first day, but I mean, Jayla Wesley had a really good weekend overall for you guys. And she's one of those ones you're talking about, right? Yeah. That has been really good in practice and finally got a chance really to shine this weekend. Yeah, she does a great job day in and day out of just pushing people. She brings a ton of energy to the floor, whether it's in practice or during a match. And so the opportunity to get her in this weekend, get her those game experiences and know that we, we can go two, three, four deep in that position if necessary. And then you look at some of the other players that really stepped up this week. I mean, the eye-popping number coach, Lisa Sullivan, hits 875 <laughs> in the match on Sunday. Yeah. And what was working for her? Well, I think she was a little rested and wanted to come in and, and be able to get some points put on the board. So, um, yeah, she obviously had a great did a great job coming in. I was very happy with the response that she was able to bring to the floor. As I said, set two, we were struggling a little bit, trying to find points, trying to get into a rhythm and a flow. And I thought Lisa kind of solidified everything once we got her in the game. We always talk about offense. It's really easy to do, right? You can mm -hmm. look at the numbers. But in terms of the defense, the serve received, the passing, how did yeah. you think your team adjusted this week? Because that's something that, you know, we can't see in the stat sheet. Right. Yeah, I I think service passing was very, very good this weekend. I think it shows up most of the time in your offensive numbers. When your offensive numbers are high, your service passing typically is very good. I thought our defense was good, not great. It has been a focus of ours of trying to get the system a little bit shored up, and I think we're going to be focusing on that again this week as we head into next weekend. Really good start in the GLIAC 5-1, and one. and this is important now because the Midwest Region crossover is coming yep. up. So if you could, for our viewers that don't quite understand what that importance of that is, getting into that upper echelon, what's the importance of this hot start heading into that regional crossover? Yeah, I think there's a couple different things. The first is you're trying to get into a regional berth, and you know two different ways of getting in are an automatic bid or an at-large bid. And getting off to a good start allows you to be in that top half going into into the regional tournament in two weeks. 
you need to be in that top half to play other teams in the three other conferences that are in our region in the top half in order to be able to put yourself in that position so that if you don't get the automatic qualifier, you need to get the at-large bid, you want to have as many wins against regional opponents as you can to help separate yourself in that conversation. Really well explained, and that's exactly what you've done so far. Five and one. One more weekend to go until that crossover, but we're glad to have you back on the show, Coach. Glad to have you back at home. Congratulations yes. on a great weekend. Thanks, Jake. Appreciate it. GVSU women's soccer split their matches over the weekend. The Lakers would beat Northwood on Friday night, then return home to tie Ferris State 2-2 on Sunday afternoon. Joining us now to talk about his team is head coach Jim Conlon. Coach, you knew this was going to be a tough weekend. Two one-loss teams, one receiving votes in the national poll, the other nationally ranked, so you knew your team had to be ready. How do you assess how your team handled this weekend into these two games? Yeah, I thought it was a great weekend to test where we were at going into October. You know, September, you're always working on lots of different things, and we had two great opponents to match up with this weekend. So I thought we came out of it learning a lot of lessons and ready to move forward. As you evaluate now, it's been a month since the season began, your first month as head coach here. How have you evaluated the growth of this team so far? Yeah, I think the growth uh, just continues right now. Um, you know, when you're dealing with health and rotations and formations and every uh, of the little nuanced pieces that we're trying to put together, I think we're still moving one day at a time, one week at a time. I don't know if we've settled into a full rhythm of um, what our best soccer is yet, but I think we're getting pretty close and we're seeing a lot of gifts from a lot of different athletes show themselves and uh, the future's bright. Let's talk about the two games this week. You start going to Northwood. That's a tough field to go play. It's a little bit smaller. It's a grass field. And Northwood's always very physical, especially on their home field. You get the 2 nothing win. The two second-half goals were huge for you guys. And Greta really made it happen right off the bat in that second half. What was the conversation like at halftime to kind of get you guys on the front foot there in the second? Yeah, we knew we'd go up to Northwood, and, and they'd be very organized. Uh, Chelsea had a, a good game plan. They, they were um, ready to counter some of the tactics that we were going after. And then, like I said, coming out of halftime, uh, the team came out with some extra focus on exactly what they were capable of doing. And, and Greta putting you know, the ball away helped us uh, early on in that second half to get uh, our rhythm and our feet underneath us. Always good to get one goal, but to get two goals in rapid succession like that, what does that do to kind of deflate the other opponent and give you guys kind of that ability to elevate for the rest of the game? Yeah, I think uh, anytime you put a ball in the back of the net, it, it changes the dynamic of the game of soccer. Uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of goals scored in our sport, but, uh, you know, you still got to stay focused and play the entire 90 minutes uh, in every facet, in offense, defense, and transition. So I think when we got up two goals, that allowed us to continue uh, movements in all three of those facets. Well, 90 minutes wasn't enough on Sunday. Ferris State comes to town, number one in the nation versus number 11 in the nation on ESPN3. Big billing for this game, and it kind of lived up to the billing, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a really good soccer match, especially if you're a, a fan and wanted lots of different action, uh, they got it. But um, I, I really appreciate the resolve of our women uh, to come back and get the result they got. I think it also uh, opened the door for some more learning moments for us. And uh, we're excited to get back to the pitch and, and train this week to get ready for next weekend. Yeah, you guys get on the front, front foot towards the end there. You had a flurry of chances. It finally ends with Greta making a great individual effort to get you guys back in it, then scoring off of a set piece. But let's go to Greta's goal real fast because she kind of made it happen 1v1 on her own. She has that highlight reel shot. What did that do to kind of re-energize your team in the 83rd minute? Yeah, I thought uh, right before Greta got the ball, we had really continued to find people's feet and move the ball into spaces we wanted to. So it ultimately ended up on Greta after we had um, several short little passes that, that combined to get the defense kind of sucked over in one direction. And then Greta, once she got on her foot, got her defender personally um, where she wanted her and then put the ball in the back of the net. So it, it was a great effort by Greta, but the buildup to get the ball into that point was a, a big moment for us. It seemed like you started using more of the right side and trying to use that combination pass. I thought Taylor Reed did a really nice job down that flank to kind of force some things down the side. Was that a concerted effort to try to play the wings a little bit more down the stretch? What was kind of the message to the team to kind of find those spaces late against a good Ferris defensive team? I think we were just trying to find the open person and, and not just force it into a particular space, but you know, it ended up I think the way Ferris was compact, the wings were the open person. And then when we could find them and play off of that, that allowed some opportunities to, to move. So as fundamental as it sounds, I think we were just trying to find the open person and then connect with them and build. 
Well, it worked out for a 2-2 draw. You guys stay undefeated. Now only one game this week, but it's a big one. Davenport, the Crosstown Showdown comes to town. And it's senior night. It's going right. to be a very emotional night, especially with not having one last year. Right. you got two basically huge classes of a senior class coming to celebrate. It's going to be a fun Friday night in Allendale. Yeah, I think Friday night's going to be just a really special night. Like you said, there's two classes. We, we all... Um, can't forget why we love playing sports. We're still living in the middle of a pandemic and to get these women the recognition that they deserve um, and prepare for a quality opponent coming in, like you said, with the Crosstown rival. Uh, but I think Friday night's going to be a really special night. Well, we're looking forward to it, Coach. Friday night back at it. Congratulations on a weekend staying undefeated. Number one in the country. We'll see you this week. Thank you. Anchor Up Weekly, presented by DTE Energy on the Grand Valley Sports Network. And we welcome you back one final time to this week's edition of Anchor Up Weekly, powered by DTE Energy. Jake Levy and Tim Knott back with you to close it out. And Tim, we heard from Hannah Becker earlier on in the show, a great interview with Allie. Nice job by her. But Hannah and the cross-country teams both put on a really good show at that live at the Loop. Well, they, they really did. And, and this is just an opportunity for them, again, to gauge where they're at in their preseason training. Really, there's only... It's hard to say this, but there's like three three meets that really matter to head coach Jerry Baltus and those teams. The Gleick Championships. Yep. The regional championships. Yep. And the NCAA championships. Yeah, exactly. So you're you're catering your complete fall training towards being at peak condition for those events. And so th again, they're they're just gauging themselves. They had an outstanding showing against a number of division one schools, beat beat virtually every division one school there. And uh, you know, they really kind of, you know, it's interesting in talking to Coach Baltus about where they would kind of stand in the Big Ten if they were to race, you know, versus those Big Ten opponents. And uh, But, again, it's just a, a barometer for them. This is where we're at. This is where we need to be for the GLEX. And they're going to train right through the GLEX. I mean, that's not that's not even an issue. They're, they're training for uh, the end-of-the-year meet, the NCAA championships. So you're going to train through the GLEX, be in good condition for the regional championships, and then you want to be primed and ready to go at the NCAA championships. Both teams are really, really good, but that men's side is so yeah. incredibly strong, led by Tanner Chata and Isaac Harding. And Harding is the one we really got to highlight with this because this past weekend, the Live at the Lou, he won the gold in the 8K run, and he set a personal record and also beat the next fastest runner by two full seconds. That runner comes from the University of Wisconsin, which is ranked number 14 in the country in cross country at the Division One level. So you want to talk about where they are at, at the barometer against some really good Division One competition, Grand Valley State looks really, really sharp, especially on the men's side. Yeah, they do. And, you know, that's that's one thing. You know, that's how Coach Baltus recruits, though. He recruits, you're coming to Grand Valley State to win a national championship. And, by the way, we're going to compete against those Division One schools uh, throughout the year yep. and, until we get to the NCAA championship. So you're going to be able to to see where you're at against those schools, but you're going to be ready to win a national championship where those, you know, there's only three or four schools that are winning a national championship in cross country at the Division One level where at Grand Valley State, you're going to be in the mix for it year in, year out. Absolutely. So a great week in Lakerland. We take a look forward now at what's to come this week. We start with our home schedule. Your upcoming home schedule is presented by American Realty. Make yourself at home. On Friday, tennis will take on Cornerstone at the GVSU Tennis Courts right across the street. Soccer celebrating senior night. They'll take on Davenport Friday at 7 p.m. Soccer coming off their first non-win of the season. It'll be emotional with senior night. Some of those seniors that departed in the spring of 2021 coming back for this. So it'll be an emotional evening at the GVSU soccer field, I'd imagine, Friday evening. Yeah, it sure will. And, you know, I mean, that's a legendary class coming back. Some are still playing. Some moved on. Some did the grad transfer. And so bringing them all back together is kind of like, like a family reunion. Right. And, uh, you know, and so you're going to see a lot of emotion out there. And then you have to turn around and play a game. Right. So, you know, you have to channel those emotions um, and, and, you know, and enjoy it and, 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 and take in the moment. But then, boom, you need to switch channels and get to game mode right now. Yeah, so you have the celebratory emotions of senior night and seeing some of your old friends again. You have the maybe extra drive of coming off your first non-win, although it was a draw. You didn't lose, but first non-win of the season. So we'll see how all of that energy is channeled when Davenport comes to town on Friday evening. And then I think we have one more home event that I'm missing. Oh, right, football's oh, at home yeah. on Saturday evening, finally back after a couple of weeks on the road. Laker Family Day tickets are basically already standing room only. It's yeah. going to be a huge crowd. It's going to be great energy. The 
Lakers are flying high at 4-0. Should be a lot of fun to get them back at Lubber Stadium. It really will be. Uh, Laker Family Day is always a great event. It's a packed house. Uh, again, like you said, standing room only tickets going now, and they're going to continue to sell them until we reach that that uh, you know peak level, and 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 which the and which the fire marshal will no longer let anybody <laughs> in. Uh, so you expect a huge crowd. Uh, it's the last time we're going to play Northwood. I don't think Northwood's going to be scheduling us anytime soon. Not if they don't uh, have to. And no, the GMAC won't nope. make them. And uh, as they're moving out of the GMAC and all their sports, and so I, I know our coaches and players are are, are excited for the uh, matchup and to put the finishing touches on the all-time series. Yeah, our listeners heard it earlier, Coach Mitchell talking about that in our interview about how this there's this is a storied history between Grand Valley mm-hmm. State and Northwood. It does mean something to the people in that building that this is the last time they'll play that Northwood team. So a lot of tradition there. So emotional way to end that as well and the Lakers hoping to uh, send a message with Northwood along to the GMAC as they follow Ashland out of the GLIAC here just one year later so yeah it'll be a fun night there's a tailgate beforehand of course and all the family members coming into town so it's going to be really really interesting and of course Tim now we know this but it's hard to imagine that nobody in that room at least knows what's on the schedule on the horizon, right? So you've got this game against Northwood this week, and then one week later you've got a pretty big game against Ferris State. So it'll be interesting to see how the Lakers are able to kind of keep that focus and make sure they take care of their business on Saturday night. Well, I think that's going to be the the whole issue this week is, is, hey, don't worry about down the road. Last year you didn't have football, okay? And you were, uh, were yearning for football. You, you lost the first game this year to COVID for Edinburgh. So then you were only given 10 opportunities to play where you're guaranteed 10 opportunities. Okay, this is one of those 10 opportunities. Take advantage of it. Follow the script. Go out there. Dominate in the early goings of the game. Take care of business on the field. And then you worry about Ferris, which will be your week six opponent next week. And that's going to be the, the really the goal of the, team, of the coaches this week. Hey, take care of business. You can't worry about game six you need to take care of game five and by the way you didn't have game five last year so enjoy it as this is only this is one of those opportunities that you're given for sure absolutely we haven't had laker family day in two years so excited to have that buzz back on campus to see the place packed to the brim is always so much fun at lubber state and the crowds have been great already this year but this one might take it to another level so we hope to see you on saturday evening 7 p.m kickoff the lakers taking on northwood you already heard all of our home events we're looking forward to bringing you all of that from Allendale here this week. Tim, did we miss anything going forward? Uh, we have William Bill Classic in Finley, Ohio, currently playing. And uh, then we have the men playing at the Motor City Invitational this weekend. Again, those teams are competing in the fall portion of their schedule, which are still important because you're earning points for the NCAA uh, Regional Invitation next spring. But their championship portion, again, is, is in the spring. And so this fall is just basically tune-up, earning points for the NCAA Regionals. And, you know, just uh, work on your craft. That's men's and women's golf in action this week as well, wrapping up their fall portion of the schedule. Time to wrap up our show. Big thanks to Brian Fongers back in the studio. Thanks to Hannah Becker and Allie Priggy, as well as all of our coaches. Always great to join us. For Tim Knott, this is Jake Levy saying so long from Anchor Up Weekly. And as always, Anchor Up. Thanks for listening to Anchor Up Weekly on the Grand Valley Sports Network. Miss any part of the show? Look for the Anchor Up podcast, available tomorrow wherever you get your podcasts. Anchor Up Weekly is powered by DTE Energy. Know your own power. A special thanks to our partners Coors Light, Country Dairy, Noir Brothers, and True Value. Stay up to date on all things Lakers by following at GVSU Lakers on social media at GVSULakers.com. This has been a special presentation of the Grand Valley Sports Network. We now return you to regularly scheduled programs. Yeah,